Let me uh, clarify one announcement that may may cause confusion. If you're a if you're a husband, if you're a man, and your wife has said to you this week or asked you, "Are you in middle school?" You can't go on the retreat. You have you have to actually be in middle school. Uh, Christmas Eve tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Christmas Eve is the most attended worship service of the year uh, in the United States, more even than Easter. Christmas Eve, whether it, whether it's on Sunday or wherever it falls on the calendar, Christmas Eve is the most attended worship service of the year. And uh, I'm not sure all the reasons for that. Maybe people start thinking around Christmas, hey, you know, I should probably go to church. And so they do. And so I just encourage you, be here. Uh, it's a great time to bring friends. If you haven't uh, in, invited a friend, it's not too late. You can do that. Uh, but we look forward to being here together to worship and, and just worship the Lord and celebrate together as a family and, and friends. So bring your family, bring friends, whoever. Uh, we want to fill the place up and have a great, great time together. We take an offering every year on Christmas Eve that we give uh, to something, to someone or something. Uh, this year we're dividing that offering in, into two, giving to two ministries uh, that have really been born and come out of uh, Riverstone, Rescuing Hope and the Hope Box. Uh, and, yeah, <laughs> those are, they're, they're awesome, awesome ministries if you don't know about them. Uh, Rescuing Hope is a ministry uh, specifically geared towards rescuing uh, victims of sex trafficking, human trafficking. And then uh, the Hope Box is a ministry uh, that aims to rescue abandoned babies. And we will be uh, dividing our offering and giving equally to those two ministries. So uh, be praying about how God would have you give tomorrow and then come and be with us. If for some reason you can't come tomorrow but you still want to give to uh, that specific offering to one of those ministries, you can uh, go on our app and give Christmas offering, and it will get to the right place. Or you can mail a check. But if you mail a check, be sure you put on the four-line Christmas offering uh, because everything else will go into the general offering unless it's designated. Okay? You all good with that? Perfect. All right, this is week four of Advent. And uh, we are almost to Christmas. Uh, we started talking about hope, and then we went from hope to peace. And last week we talked about joy, and today we talk about love. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, uh, or you can look at the screen. We'll have it up there as well. Luke chapter 2, we'll begin at verse 1. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us today. Uh, We know that uh, you love to speak to your people. We know that there are things that you want to remind us of today, and we know that there are things that you want to say to us that perhaps we have never heard before, never thought about. Uh, never received. And so we pray, give us ears to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus was born in obscurity. He was born in obscurity. He was born in in a barn or or, uh, most likely a cave. Uh, There was literally no place for him. No, No one had room for Jesus. Now, the Roman government had required the census to be taken, and this was not a burden to the people. This actually was considered an act of generosity by the Roman government towards the Jewish people because it gave them a chance to go back to their homeland. And for Joseph, that meant Bethlehem. Now, Mary didn't have to go. Just think about that. She didn't have to go. This is a 90-mile hike. They didn't jump in a car. They didn't call Uber. This is 90 miles that they had to go, and and Mary didn't have to go. Now, I know how that conversation went because I've had that conversation. (laughs) Come on, baby. It'll be great. You You realize I'm pregnant? Yeah, oh yeah, I know you're pregnant, but just think about the adventure. This is going to be awesome. Joseph, I'm like eight and a half months pregnant. 
We'll put an extra blanket on the donkey. It'll be great. It'll be like camping. I don't know actually why Mary chose to go. My suspicion is Joseph didn't want to miss the birth. Can you imagine? He he has to go 90 miles. It's going to take a while to get there. It's going to take a while to get back. And as it says, uh, his wife, his Mary, was expecting a child. And it was close to time. And my expectation, my belief, and and what many uh, biblical scholars believe is that Joseph wanted Mary to come along because he didn't want to miss the birth. Uh, A child that wasn't his but a child whose birth he had begun to realize was extremely important, world-changing, and he wanted to be there. Now, personally, I, I'm a bit of a romantic, and so I think also that Joseph and Mary wanted to be together because they were in love. I also believe that they had this strong sense that God has called us together into this adventure and and we want to experience it together. I don't think they wanted to be apart when this glorious thing, this incredible thing that God had promised happened. They wanted to be together. They were in it together. And so this obscure birth would happen far away from home all alone, an an obscure birth that would change history for everyone. Now, they get in this place, this barn or this cave. Uh, there There aren't a lot of people there. It's basically Mary and Joseph and heaven. That's that's pretty much it. It's Mary and it's Joseph and it's heaven. Now, shepherds come later and wise men come much later. But at the birth, it's Mary and Joseph. The shepherds, when they do get there, they're really not a big deal. I know we, you know, we kind of glorify the shepherds. Shepherds were just ordinary guys, kind of common. Nothing special about a shepherd. They represent the common and the ordinary of earth. Not a big deal. But also there, present at this birth, were the angels. And the angels represent the mystery of heaven. The mystery of heaven. They are spectacular. And even at times, we give them, because of their incredible appearance, they're given even more credit. Than they deserve. Some some people even worship them and have to be told, ah, back off a little. That's that's a little too much. But they're spectacular. They're they're amazing creatures. And so this is what Christmas really is. Christmas is the ordinary of Earth being invaded by the spectacular of heaven. The ordinary of Earth being invaded by the spectacular of heaven. And what the angels announced then, they still announce today. 
The message of the angels then is also the message of the angels now. So what is the message? What is this message of Christmas? I want to walk through just four things quickly about Christmas. Uh, The message of Christmas is, number one, God is not satisfied with life without you. Think about that. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. The God of the universe wants you in his life. The God of the universe is not satisfied living life without you. He wants you. He wants you so deeply that he's willing to pay a huge personal cost in order to have you with him. He's willing to sacrifice his son, the most precious son, his only son. He's willing to sacrifice him so that he can have you. God is not satisfied with life without you. The second thing we know about the message of Christmas is that his invitation is for all who will come. The Bible says that his coming is good news for all people. And then it goes on to say, on whom his favor rests. This is the message of Christmas. His invitation is to all. And his favor will rest upon those who say yes. Those who respond, who welcome him, who receive him. This is good news for all people. Especially those on whom his favor rests. The message and the invitation of Christmas is available to all. And the message is not an invitation. Now get this. If you're one of those people that makes notes and draws a line under the important part, you want to draw a line under this. Okay? His invitation is not for you to invite him into your life. Not. It's never been the invitation. The invitation is for you to enter into his life. It's different. It's vastly different. The invitation of Christmas is give yourself, come and join my life. That's the invitation of God. I want you to come into my life. Trust me. It's a better deal. It's a much better deal. It's a much greater deal for you to enter into his life. His life is really, really good. And you want to join his life. That's his invitation to you is come and partake. Come and be a part of who I am. Come and Abide in me, and I then will abide in you. That's his invitation for us to enter into his life. The third thing, the third message of Christmas was a loud message. Uh, We've talked about this as we've moved through Advent, and this was the loud message of the angels. And, And guess what? It's still the message of the angels today. He's coming. 
He's coming. The first angels announced it to the shepherds. He's coming. You need to get to Bethlehem because he's coming. Now, it's crazy to me the celebration and the expectation on the part of heaven because heaven knows where this is headed. Heaven knows that the birth will eventually result in a death and that it won't be a pretty death, but it will actually be a beautiful death because the result of it will be a resurrection that offers hope and life to all of us. And heaven comes with a loud voice. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And the message of heaven today is the same as the message of heaven then. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Get ready, get ready, get ready. It is. So the message of of the angels then and the message of the angel now is the same. As believers today, we're confident that a day is coming when Jesus will return and establish his kingdom on earth. There's always been a desire among the people of God, for God to do something politically to make things better. It's always been a desire. Uh, The Jewish people thought that when the Messiah came, that it would make things better for them politically. Uh, They were under oppression from the Romans, and they wanted Jesus to come in and just knock Rome off the throne and take over and set things up where they could be in charge and they could tell Rome what to do for a change. That's really what they wanted. And that's, that's what they believed that the Messiah would bring when he came. And, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen because that wasn't the plan. That's, that was not the designed purpose of his first coming. But guess what? It's going to happen. When he comes back, things are going to look just a tad bit different. Let me read to you. This, this is... Best description that we have. This is from Revelation 21. Can you, you got this? Great. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. 
That is Christmas. That is Christmas. He is coming. And then fourth and finally, but actually first, the message of Christmas is love. If the message of Christmas is love, then then what, what exactly does that mean? Let me just mention a couple of things. Number one, the love of God can't be comprehended. It's better than you can think. It's better than you can imagine. The message of Christmas is love, and the message of Christmas is the love of God, and it is so, so much better than you could ever imagine or think that it would actually blow your mind if you could see how perfect and how deep the love of God is. I like to think that I love my family. But they will tell you quickly that I don't do that perfectly and that at times I do things that don't look like love or sound like love at all. But God's love is perfect. He never misses. He never has a bad day. He never has a bad moment. Think about this. Everything he has ever done, every thought he has ever had, every word he has ever spoken was loving towards you. He's never missed it. Not even close. His love can't be comprehended. It is better than you can think or imagine. Also, his love, it can't be known, but it can be known. It can't be fully understood, but it can be known. It can be known. You can't understand it, but you can experience it. You know, there's a, there's a Bible type of knowing. You, you know about that, right? When it says that Adam knew Eve, y'all, you know what that means, right? Y'all know about that? Do we have to have a class? Marcy, I need to get some people to sign up for your class. You know when, Adam, when it says Adam knew Eve, we're not just saying he didn't just recognize her from across the room and say, oh, yeah, that's Eve. That's not what we're talking about here. There's a depth, there's an intimacy when the Bible talks about knowing. And the invitation of God, the message of God's love is that we can know, even though we can't fully understand or comprehend the depth and the perfectness of his love, we can know him. We can enter into an intimate, passionate relationship with him. That's his invitation to us, is to know him in that way. Also, it can't be quenched, defeated, or stopped. The love of God cannot be quenched, defeated, or stopped. There's nothing, the Bible says, nothing you can do that will separate you from his love. You can try, but his love will continue to pursue. It can't be quenched. It can't be defeated. It can't be stopped. 
It can be rejected. It can be rejected. You, you don't have to accept. You don't have to say yes. You don't have to return his love back. You can turn your back. You can walk away. You can run. But you need to understand also that his love is relentless. He will chase you. He will chase you. I was talking to someone this week. We, we had lunch together, and, and he was asking about how I came to the Lord. And, and he, uh, I was telling him about the circumstances of, of how I met the Lord and gave my life to Jesus. And, and it dawned on me that when it all happened, I had no interest in God. I wasn't searching I wasn't pursuing God. I hadn't been, you know, searching the pages of Scripture looking for hope. I liked my life. I thought it was pretty good. I wasn't looking for anything to change. But God had been chasing me and pursuing me for my entire life. And on that particular night, he just stepped right out in front of me and said, you're not getting away this time. And I was done. His love is relentless. And you can run. And you can try to hide. He won't stop. He won't stop. He will continue and continue and continue to pursue. The message of the fourth Sunday of Advent is love. Can't be comprehended. But it can be known. It can't be quenched. It can be rejected. But it is relentless. He won't give up. He wants you. And he will chase you. He will chase you. And he will chase you. Now let's pray. Lord, I pray the people in this room, I pray for anyone here today uh, who has wandered, uh, anyone here today who has intentionally walked away, anyone here today who uh, has just kept you at arm's length. And I pray that today they would turn they would look into your face and they would say, yes, I want to be received into your life. I want to give myself to you. So Holy Spirit, move through this room. Move in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. And draw us all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite our teams to come and get in place. We're going to have a time of, of ministry. I encourage you today, if, if you need prayer for anything, for any, any reason, we would love to pray with you and pray for you. I especially would encourage you, uh, if you have never said yes to Jesus, uh, 
and you feel that pounding in your chest that you need to do this, I encourage you, uh, don't leave here today until you've come and and prayed with one of these teams and allowed them uh, to pray with you as you say yes to him. All right, let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, move in this room, drawing men and women to you. Use these teams, Lord, to set captives free. In Jesus' name, amen.